From Australia, this is VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au. Hello there, I'm Graham VK4BB presenting WIA National News. And a lot of good folk get together each week to bring you this WIA National News. Jason VK2LAW, Brian VK3GR, Felix VK4FUQ. Of course, our man in the West, Ono VK6FLAB. WIA directors this week, Robert and Roger VK3DN and VK2ZRH. And much of the written word by Jim Linton VK3PC. Jim continues to give a great insight into the WIA ANZAC events. And it's a pity, due to time, we edit a lot for the audio versions. But Jim's great articles are here to be read in print. Where, you say? All points of contacts from today's news stories are to be found in print when you read the web editions. www.wia.org.au Electra back on air. Marconi's yacht Electra will be activated this weekend, June 6 and 7, in conjunction with the Museum Ships Weekend, celebrating Marconi's contribution to radio. The special event call sign to look out for, and this really is a special one, II4MB, India, India, for Mike Bravo. The party-type foil balloon PS46 has been launched from Melbourne and has circumnavigated the Earth. It's shown that going around the Southern Hemisphere is no fluke, although it does need some perseverance. Andy VK3YT, who launched the balloon, said it used a 25 milliwatt transmitter with Whisper, JT9 and sometimes Olivia signals on the 30 and 20 metre bands as it did an S-shape over the Pacific to South America, traversed to Namibia, tracked above South Africa, crossed the Indian Ocean to Cape Legrand near Esperance, right back here in Australia. Continuing the Antac spirit in commemorative events. The Northern Tasmanian Amateur Radio Club, through the VK100 Anzac call sign, paid fitting tribute to the British Empire's most decorated soldier in World War I. The Antarc Club, with audiovisual presentations and photographs, used VK100 Anzac from March 31 to June 2 in honour of Lieutenant Colonel Henry William Murray, born near Evandale. He was in the Gallipoli Campaign and in the Battle of the Somme, where he was awarded the Victoria Cross in 1917. This grazier later fought in World War II and was further decorated. The VK100 Anzac event by NTARC also gained local media exposure and the WIA News, the callbacks held at the Harry Murray Memorial Evandale for the VK100 Anzac link with Anne, Harry Murray's grandniece at Deloraine, and it drew some 36 participants checking in with Tony VK7YBG. For a more recent theatre of conflict, Saturday, June the 6th, VI5 Anzac was at the Elizabeth RSL for the 50th anniversary of Australian forces landing at Vang Tau, Vietnam by the Royal Australian Navy. The call sign VK100 Anzac is now doing a great job on the HF bands in the hands of DX Tommy VK2IR and others from the Hellenic Amateur Radio Association of Australia on air until June 10. 
Beginning last Friday and for nine days, the Yarra Valley Amateur Radio Group commemorates D-Day at Normandy in World War II by using VI-3 Anzac. For more details, visit wia.org.au. And if you would like to activate an Anzac suffix call sign, still time, please make contact with Fred Swainston, our Vice President, VK3DAC. The articles appearing in Amateur Radio magazine by WIA historian Peter Wolfenden, VK3RV, are rolling on. Here's a summary of yet another. Ted Cawthron, VK5JE, served in World War II and was captured to be held as a prisoner of war, spending time working in Thailand on the infamous Burma Railway. When captured in February of 42, he spent many years as a prisoner of war. Ted was associated with three undercover radio receivers at the camp, for which he was formally acknowledged by being mentioned in dispatches. Ted had been interested in radio since 1924, first listed in the 1930 call sign listings. His earliest days as an experimenter were spent operating 2JC Concord. This on the broadcast band after the commercial stations closed down for the night. Ted Cawthron, another capable radio amateur who proved that amateur radio was a good training ground in times of need. Good morning listeners, this is WAA Director Rob Broomhead, VK3DN, with this week's WAA Board Talk. But first, a reminder that the WA President is Phil Waite, VK2ASD, and our Vice President is Fred Swainston, VK3DAC. WAA Online News and Information for All Here at the WAA, we've recently upgraded some content on our website, which continues to be well read by WAA members. The recent changes follow comments, particularly from those looking for more information about what the WAA is doing for them. An interesting range of online material is available under the For Members section, that contains benefits, services and information. Under the section Promoting Our Hobby is information on the WAA resource material, the Calling CQ brochure and poster, their purpose and their availability. In emergency communications, the role played by amateur radio, which in Australia is traced back to the flood in Queensland in February 1927. Another innovation is the WIA Board Newsletter Library. Past copies are now available online. The WIA Board Newsletter is emailed monthly to radio clubs and members and contains a summary of WIA developments. The IARU monitoring system or intruder watch observations are posted. There are band plans, contests and other useful information appearing regularly. Additionally, the WIA Hot Issues section of the website contains a list of major matters currently being handled that affect amateur radio here in Australia. If you're looking for more information about what the WIA is doing, then check out our website. The vast material is available online at www.wia.org.au. ACMA defers its licensing shutdown. The Australian Communications and Media Authority, the ACMA, is working to replace and improve its ageing radio communications licensing and frequency processing system under a scheme known as Project Helm. A team is working to implement the new system for apparatus licences. The new system will see all such licence processing, including issuing and renewals, suspended for two weeks. 
the shutdown was to occur in May, but due to a number of factors, including feedback from industry about its readiness to work with the new system, it has been deferred. The ACMA said that it doesn't expect the shutdown before mid-June 2015 and it will advise when the date is known. If your licence is due for renewal, the WIA suggests that it be made immediately, even well before its expiry date. Once the shutdown occurs, please expect some delays, including when the ACMA catches up with a processing backlog. Reciprocal Licence Review As changes occur to overseas amateur radio qualifications, a review of reciprocal licences is required. This review has commenced and new tables will be available on the website and in the next edition of the callbook. The review process involved ACMA and is not expected to impede reciprocal licence applications, however there may be some changes to outcomes. These changes are expected to be minor. Fred Swainston, Vice President, will bring the story to us, but not before the review is completed. This, he feels, will be in a couple of weeks. Now, continuing board talk, it's to Ono VK6 FLAB, who spoke with our President Phil at the AGM and asked, can we as amateurs leverage the lipid frequencies and create an independent mesh network for messaging purposes? And also, you can read more of this topic in the June issue of AR on page 3. But right now, here's Phil and Ono. I'm with Phil Wade, the president of the WIA. Now, you're telling me something about lipid devices. What what idea have you got in your mind? (laughs) Oh, I've always got a lot of ideas in my mind, Ono. But, you know, I've often thought that um, the potential's there for amateurs to use some of the new technologies that are available in the LIPD bands. In particular, there's a whole range of mesh networking products which are very inexpensive, which amateurs could easily get and easily put together some sort of an ad hoc mesh network, perhaps on 433 megs. So that means as an amateur you could you know, leverage the lipid band and do pre-made stuff and then add your amateur licence to gain extra functionality, if you like. Oh, sure. Well, that would give us the capacity to run extra power. Under the LIPD class licence, you can only run 25 milliwatts, but of course an amateur can run significantly higher power than that. One of the things that perhaps you might be able to do is um, have a little mesh network um, node in a box with a solar panel and a short antenna, and you throw it up on the roof and have a Bluetooth link back down to your computer. I can see this going, uh, this conversation beginning uh, a whole class of products. Um, I understand you've written something about it in an AR magazine. Yeah, I, I put, um, I just, I'm flying the flag as a president's comment in AR this month, just to see if anybody bites. But uh, we'll see what happens. But there's a whole heap of different applications that amateurs can run based on the new mesh networking and new wireless technologies that are coming available, since one of them is um, single-band TDMA repeaters, which are being experimented with in the States. There's a whole range of very exciting new technologies coming out. Phil Wade, VK2 ASD, uh, the president of the WIA. Thank you. Thanks, Ono. Cheers. From Australia, this is VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au. What use is an F-call? Much of what amateur radio is about relates to the planet we live on. 
I realise you might think it's about radios, antennas, contacts and logging, but the vast majority of our hobby relates directly to the ionosphere, the sun, the earth and all manner of other natural influences. One of these influences happens twice a day, sunrise and sunset. The transition from light to dark and from dark to light has a period during which there is twilight. This period in amateur radio is called the grey line, because if you were to map it on a map on the Earth, there's a line that travels all the way around the globe where the separation between dark and light exists. A funny phenomenon occurs along this line. Propagation is very efficient along its path. You might recall that there are several layers on the ionosphere. Closest to us is the D layer, then up from that is the E and F layer. You might also remember seeing satellites in the early evening. They're still in sunlight while you're in darkness. If you've flown in a plane near dusk, it might have been light while you were up in the air, but dark by the time you land. Light from the sun hits different layers in the ionosphere at different times. The D layer doesn't get hit when it's dusk, but the E and F layers still are. They're light, while the D layer is dark. This has the effect of allowing a 10 or 15 meter signal to travel through the D layer without losing much strength, but bouncing along happily following the E and F layer around the Earth. This means that if you're on air during this time, you'll suddenly hear stations from all over the place. This phenomenon might last no more than 10 minutes, but it's absolutely magical if you're there to hear it, and it happens twice a day. From a technical perspective, the evening grey line works around 10 and 15 metres, the morning grey line around 15 and 20 and sometimes on 40 and 80. So turn your radio on before dusk or dawn and sit around with a warm beverage having a listen, or a coldie if the temperature is better suited to DX with a beer. I'm Ono, Victor Kilo 6, Foxtrot, Lima, Alpha, Bravo. Right across Australia from VK1WIA, you're tuned to the WIA National News Service. In Adelaide's southern suburbs, it can be heard on VK5 RAD 2 metre repeater at 0900 hours local. I'm Steph, VK5 HSX, on behalf of the South Coast Amateur Radio Club. International news with thanks to IARU, RSGB, SARL, Southgate Amateur Radio Club, ARRL, Amateur Radio Newsline, NZART and the worldwide sources of the WIA. I'm Jason, VK2LAW. Don Wallace, Zulu Lima 2, Tango Lima Lima will attend the WRC 2015 conference in Geneva on behalf of the ZLs. And furthermore, thanks to NZART members' generosity and a resolution passed at the AGM, money is available from donations to finance one delegate, Don ZL2TLL and Terry Carroll, ZL3Quebec-Lima, as an observer to the IARU Region 3 conference in Bali in September. The American Radio Relay League published proposed changes to the USHF band plan for comment in the April edition of QST. Being proactive, the RAC Band Planning Committee reviewed their proposals for potential impacts on Canadian amateurs. On 40 metres and 20 metres, the proposed changes would negatively impact DX phone operations throughout the Americas and the rest of the world. RAC has formally communicated concerns to ARRL 
with the request that they include these concerns in their consideration of any changes to the US subbands. 29 MHz, the forgotten frequency for amateur radio satellites. Hans, Zulu Sierra 6 Alpha Kilo Victor, writes in the Engineer IT magazine about the potential for 29 MHz as a satellite uplink band as universities and other scientific research institutions are using portions of the amateur spectrum for their CubeSats, which has caused the 145 and 435 MHz amateur satellite band segments to be very crowded, leading to an increasing number of satellite builders to explore alternatives. IARU Satellite Frequency Coordination Process has now opened another alternative, 29 MHz uplinks. At the recent ZLAGM, Daniel Zulu Lima 4 Delta Uniform, being the youngest person, 17 years old, to pass the amateur exam in 2014, received not only a certificate, but a VHF UHF FM transmitter handheld radio. Honour for Morse Code Interceptor. Marion Booth has received the Bletchley Park commemorative badge for her work in intercepting Japanese Morse code radio messages during World War II. She joined the Women's Royal Canadian Naval Service in 1944, did basic training in Galt, and in the spring of 1945 in Victoria, British Columbia, intercepted Japanese radio messages in Morse code. Ofcom permits spark transmission for Marconi anniversary. The Penarth Times reports on the historical recreation of the first wireless transmission over open sea by Guglielmo Marconi from Flatholme Island to Lavanock Point 118 years ago. The newspaper reports, although the wireless signal was sent on May 11, 1897, it was on May 13 when Wales and England were linked by wireless from Lavanock to Breen Down in Somerset the event on Monday, May 11, used a spark gap transmission. Although it is illegal, it was allowed by Ofcom after much discussion, as long as it was on low power. A camera team representing the TV station S4C, along with historical and technical advisor Glyn Jones, Golf Whiskey Zero Alpha November Alpha, chairman of the Barry Amateur Radio Society, gathered for the event while another team stationed on Flathome Island with the spark plug were watched by Ofcom. From Australia, this is VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au. This is WIA Director Roger Harrison, VK2ZRH. The winter solstice will soon be upon us, and it also brings the winter VHF UHF field day. Saturday, June the 20th, and Sunday the 21st, from 0100 UTC on Saturday to 0100 UTC on Sunday, except for VK6, where the start and finish are at 0400 UTC. The time has come, the walrus said, to speak of many things, starts a verse from author Lewis Carroll's famous novel, through the looking glass, and what Alice found there. As a consequence of the past year's experiences, the online discourse and feedback received, the winter and spring 2015 events will operate under some changes to the rules. The objective here is to try and attract more people 
to participate in the field days and to encourage more operators to submit logs. In other words, to reduce the barriers to entering the field days. There are now four sections, reduced from six in the previous rules and four subsections, up from two in the previous rules. And yes, there are still two divisions. Division 1 based on grid square scoring and Division 2 for distance based scoring. Operators can enter a log for either 24-hour operations or 8-hour operations. This breaks the nexus between 24-hour and 8-hour operations that prevailed previously, where stations could submit a log for 24-hour operations and select the best 8 hours to submit another log for that. That's no longer part of the rules. Now, operators need to decide their strategy beforehand for either 24-hour or 8-hour operations. Of course, Murphy and the weather might curtail what was to be your 24-hour operation, in which case you can recover something by submitting a log for 8-hour operations. The four subsections introduced a new approach with single band, four band, all bands and digital operations. Part of the purpose of the four subsections is to provide something for newcomers to amateur radio as well as field day newbies and to cater specifically for foundation and standard licensees. Marshalling the requirements for a single band operation, or perhaps two, three or four bands, is not so daunting a task. A founding principle of the field days is to go out there and have fun. So these categories can provide a taste of that. To up the field day pace a little, the repeat contact period has been reduced to two hours from three hours previously. Note that contacts now require exchanging six character locators for all contacts, including for Division 1. However, Division 1 scoring and rover operations are still based on squares, that is, four character locators. One last thing, only electronic logs in ASCII text format will be accepted. Online log uploads proved popular with participants in recent contests. After some to and fro discussions on aspects of the rules, a couple of adjustments have been made to clarify things. A final word on the rules can be found on the WIA website. This is WIA Director Roger Harrison, VK2ZRH, for VK1WIA News. News, talk and radio sport, here with VK1WIA. Operational News, I'm Felix, VK4FUQ, Dateline 2015. Trans-Tasman Contest, 18 July from 0800 hours UTC. Then in August, 1010 International Summer Contest, August 1 and 2. Remembrance Day Contest, August 15 and 16. After the idea, we moved to October. Oceania DX Contest, voice, first full weekend in October. Oceania DX Contest, CW, second full weekend in October. Special Event Stations, DX, Beacon, Repeater and Net Advice. Pipeline of EK for DX. We know long-distance HF band communication depends on ionospheric condition. There's also an enhanced grey line propagation along the night and day path, as Honor has pointed out to us today. DX Talk columnist and amateur radio magazine Nick Harker, VK2DX, reports that the propagational mid-year period on HF this year has yielded some amazing contacts via pipeline openings. Nick, VK2DX, says that from mid-March to early April, stations from West, Central and Southern Africa were booming in, the beauty of the pipeline phenomenon is that a distant station can have no real propagation to any part of the world other than Australia. VK2DX, as an example, has had the Western Sahara Sawari Amateur Radio S01WS 
make endless QSOs on the 15 metre band via long path, only to be answered by VK2s and VK3s. He suggests that beaming to Europe via long path can produce echoes of your own signal as it travels around the globe. This often indicates you are heard well over the South and Central America as well as West Africa. Give it a try. It's real fun and can catch some real DX, even if you use QRP. Sun raised their 2 metre propagation beacon now GPS frequency controlled. The WIA and Allen Devlin VK3 XPD one-off grant for GPS locked repeaters, which has now closed, saw the timely restoration of the lightning hit 2 metre beacon, VK3 RIU. Thanks to the hard work of the Sun Ratio Radio Group Peter and Beacon Officer Peter VK3JUG, it has been reinstalled at the Murbane Water Tower in northwest Victoria. The system runs 35 watts into a horizontal folded dipole with FSK keying. GPS frequency control now also has been included thanks to the grant available only until the end of June. Reports indicate that the frequency of VK3 RIU is within 1 hertz additional reports via the VK logger will be appreciated. Unfortunately, Peter VK3 JUG has found that the 1296 MHz beacon may need a complete rebuild, and this will take some time. Most VK beacons have a crystal oscillator or phase log loop system, and can drift and therefore be inaccurate. GPS log beacons are a highly accurate frequency reference. 3A90IARU is the special call sign for the Association of Radio Amateur of Monaco to use until the 30th of this month in celebration of the 90th anniversary of the IARU. QSL via 3A2ARM. For VK1WIA National News, I'm Felix VK4FUQ Enningham. I'm Brian VK3GR with Worldwide Special Interest Group News beginning at ATV where every pixel tells a story. WRTC 2014 documentary has been released. James Brooks, 9V1YC, has made available a video about the Amateur Radio World Radio Sport Team Championship of 2014. The World Radio Sport Team Championship, better known as WRTC, is a competition where two-person teams of amateur radio operators testing their skills to make contacts with other amateur radio operators around the world over a 24-hour period. Unlike most on-the-air competitions, all stations are required to use identical antennas from the same geographic region, eliminating all variables except operating ability. Worldwide Special Interest Group's Final Frontier A remote-controlled mission to the Red Planet has been a long-time priority for NASA. Now the space agency has revealed that they will start working on an asteroid relocation mission first. As the agency tries to select the best asteroid for the mission, it will study candidate asteroids regarding their size, rotation, shape, and precise orbit. The main candidates so far are asteroids Itakawa, Bennu, and 2008 EV-5. NASA plans to launch the Asteroid Redirect mission in 2020. To Worldwide Special Interest Group's ILLW, honors for the ILLW, our prime fun event. The AIR Amateur Radio Group began activating maritime navigation beacons in 1993 with its biennial Scottish Northern Lighthouses Award weekend. The rest of the world joined in in 1998 as the annual International Lighthouse and Lightship Weekend began. The prime drivers in the early days of this now popular portable activation were John Forsyth, GM4OOU, and the late Mike Dalrymple, GM4SUC. 
A letter invited participation from Down Under. It struck a responsive chord with Kevin Mulcahy, VK2CE, who activated the Green Cape Lighthouse as VK2SEA, and a few others also joined in. Then a long association and promotion of the Lighthouse event was born. Kevin, VK2CE, has, since the passing of Mike, GM4SUC in 2005, been a heavy lifter for the August event that now attracts more than 500 registrations from 56 countries. In memory of Mike, GM4SEC, the Air Amateur Radio Group activates the Turnbury Lighthouse as GB2LT each year. During a family visit to Melbourne, Tony Devine, GM6BAO, met up with Kevin VK2CE to express the club's sincere appreciation for the work done in growing this event. Presented to him was an inscribed pewter traditional quake, Scottish drinking cup from the Highlands in appreciation of his 17 years of dedication. The International Lighthouse and Lightship Weekend is held this year on the weekend of August 15th and 16th. On the social scene, then we're out of here. I'm Graham VK4BB. Of course, this weekend in June in VK2, 4 and 5, the big ones are happening. VK2, it's the Queen's Birthday 40th Annual Oxley Region Field Day. In VK4, it's the Central Highlands Amateur Radio Club and Teresa Creek Campout at Claremont. And in VK5, the 51st Southeast Radio Group Convention and the Australian Fox Hunting Championship. In July, July 1, VK4, Caboolture Hamfest. July 11, 12 in VK3, Gipps Tech 2015. July 18, VK3, Gippsland Gate Radio and Electronics Club Hamfest at Cranbourne. And July 25 in VK3, Alara's 40th birthday lunch, the Novotel Glen Waverley. Now, if you'd like to find out more, contact vk3vip at wia.org.au. Now, till next week, I'm Graham, VK4BB. Walk softly. From Australia, this has been VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service. On RF, we thank our rebroadcast team and you for listening. And remember, internet streaming and text of this news is available 24-7 at wia.org.au.